Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. These are life-giving messages from our church here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Thank you for joining with us. We hope you enjoy this message today. Let's get into it. So we're so glad you're here and you've come and joined us for church today. And uh, uh, But if you were here last week, you would know that I was not. And me and my family, we had a family reunion, long time planned, and uh, some other leadership things we had to be back for in the UK as well. But we went away as a family last week. Um, so we, we went and we got to a gathering together and we had a great time. It was awesome. And uh, you can see some of my family here gathered around the table. I've got four brothers, okay? So there's five of us boys growing up. Uh, my brother Sol, who was playing bass, he hasn't got the right paperwork right now. So it means he couldn't leave the country. Otherwise, they wouldn't let him back in. Uh, to the U.S. Don't worry, he's he's legal. He's work. He's he's working on it. It's uh, it just hasn't quite processed yet. But it meant that he, him, and his wife Winter couldn't join us. But otherwise, my family we got together um, around these tables, and it was amazing. We kind of gathered back around in this place. My dad here is the back. He's the senior pastor over Freedom Church. My George, uh, my brother George, uh, and his wife Liz. They just got back from planting a church in Rwanda in East Africa. So he set up the church, he's handed it over to a pastor there, and they've just moved back to the UK. And you see my son Jesse just popping out from under the table here, just at the right moment for the photo. Um, so one of the things, right, if you're British, and this is what I did all last week, is I spent time drinking gallons of tea, okay? Because a British man, it, we are the stereotype. We like to drink tea. And when he start, I started getting offered tea over here, and it's, and it's with ice, and, it, and it's cold, and it's full of sugar um, here in the south. I was like, what, what is going on? This isn't tea. Tea, let me, just, let me just educate you, America. This is what it's about. You drop in a little bit of milk. You have it with a sugar. You have it hot. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. Incredible. And I think, yeah, my Brits, my fellow Brits around the room, just, yeah, getting, getting pumped here. And... Um, and there's something around, if it's a good day, you celebrate with a cup of tea. It's like, come on, we're feeling good, let's have a cup of tea. If you're going through something tough, I'll put the kettle on. It's like, you get you through anything. Honestly, it's amazing. It, don't even get me started about dipping uh, biscuits in the tea. Now, I'm not talking about your biscuits, okay? That would be a nightmare. No, we don't want to dip those things in a cup of tea. But a cookie type thing, okay? There is, there is special biscuits, that, special cookies that you can use, and it just, oh, it hits different. It's so good. Okay, I'm quite passionate about this subject, so we could talk about this for a long time. Um, but as you can see, like, this is where I was sat, and I was taking the photo. I've got an entire teapot to myself because I'm like, I want to drink as much tea as possible. We were leaving the day um, uh, on Friday, and we had 10 minutes. We cleared out the Airbnb. I said, like, right, what should we do with the 10 minutes? Should I put the kettle on? Yeah, go on then. And we all had one last cup of tea together. But I think that there's something about, if you're British, that you should love drinking tea. But there's something really shocking to me still, after being 17 years of being married to my wife. She doesn't drink tea. I'm like, what? This doesn't make any sense, Rose. You are British. This is your heritage. This is who we are as a people. And you don't drink tea. Uh, I mean, this doesn't make any sense at all. And I've tried convincing her. I say, no, no, this, this one's really good. You need to just sip this one. And she will not drink it. And I'm like, I think we need to do an Ancestry.com test on you because there must be some other heritage that's just influencing this right now. Because if you were British then you would like tea. Um, so please be praying for her. Um, but 
if, uh, but there's something, right, that is a parallel to that. As Christians, there is something that if you're a Christian, then you should have this as a part of your heritage. There's something about it's a part of your identity. There's something about this is who you are. And one of those things that I want to talk about today is the last in this series is freedom. Okay? And so the subject we're going to cover today is there is more freedom. That if you're a Christian in this place today, there is more freedom for you in your walk with God. If you never followed Jesus before, this is your first time in church today, you're going to get to hear something, I believe, that it's going to also could transform your life if you want it to. So there is more freedom. That if you're a Christian, there's more freedom than you know. And I just want to look at this verse in Galatians 5, verse 1. And it says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. That was the purpose of being set free, is so that we could live in freedom. Now, if you just think about that for a moment, it's, it's kind of obvious, isn't it? It's like, well, of course, you should, if you were being set free, then you should live in freedom. But the reason Paul writes this in this book of Galatians in the New Testament is because there were lots of people that had been set free and yet were still in bondage. And there were lots of Christians that also live this way too. And that's what we want to speak into today, that they had put their faith in God, but yet still that they have and have remained in bondage in some way. But that's not your inheritance. That's not who you're meant to be. That it was for freedom that Christ set you free, not so that you would have to go on in bondage or go on the way that you were, but so that you could live differently. And that's what Jesus wants to speak into every single person today, that he's got freedom for you. You don't have to go out through those doors with the same chains that you walked in with. And that's good news. Because every single person here knows what it's like to live with something that binds you. That you, where you feel constricted within some way. Where you feel, what's the opposite of freedom? It's captivity. That we feel captive by something. But the good news is that every single one of us can walk out free from this place because of Jesus and because of this truth. So we're going to dig into some scripture today and hope, hopefully this is going to allow you to get the fullness out of this truth for your life. So we're going to look at the Gospel of John. There's four Gospels in the Bible that talk about Jesus' life. This is John's perspective. He was one of the 12 disciples and we're getting his eyewitness testimony of being right there in this moment. So this is John 5, verses 1 to 3. And we're going to look at the story of um, this man. Uh, he's called the invalid. And so we'll get into that in a moment. But there is um, there's something about this story that is so powerful and profound. And have we got any Chosen fans in the house? Yeah, a few people that have seen The Chosen. There's a great episode about this story. So if you've not ever streamed The Chosen, you can do it for free. Pretty sure it's on Netflix uh, on Amazon, or you can go on the Chosen app. You should watch it. It will just ignite your love for Jesus and, uh, and bring some of these stories to life for you. But there is, uh, there is this verse then in John 5, verses 1 to 3, and it says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, and they waited for the moving of the waters. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. 
The first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. So you've got this pool, this, this place, and it has had these miraculous moments. And what's happened is it's drawn and attracted broken people. And they're here with their, all their different ailments, their different problems. And they're here in this place waiting for that one day where the angel might pop down, stir the waters, and then it's a race to the water to see who wins, which seems a bit unfair with some of their physical situation. And that they, that whoever gets in the water first would somehow get some healing. So the angel comes, they stir the waters, and they're waiting, waiting for this moment. Is this the day? Today is the day that it's going to happen. And then we've got this one person here that's been an invalid for 38 years. Lost freedom means limitation. One of the things that I think about this guy, this, this person that we're focusing in the story, this one that has been an invalid for 38 years, he has someone that it doesn't say he was an invalid from birth which it does, it specifies that a lot of the time in Scripture, if it's from when they were born. But someone that perhaps this had happened to them later on, maybe it was an accident as a child, where they'd lost their freedom of movement. So they knew what it was like to go where they want, to do what they want, to move where they wanted to, to be with who they wanted to be, and then that was taken from them through whatever happened. Lost freedom means a limitation. Their life then shrunk No longer could they go where they wanted to go and do what they wanted to do. No longer was their future open to them. And I think about this parallel with us too, right? Is that if you've had something that has come into your life that's taken some portion of your freedom away. Maybe if you've something stole away your confidence and then somehow then that has actually limited some of the ways that you have lived your life. You haven't gone into the things that you wanted to do. It's stolen away from some opportunities that you would have wanted. Because lost freedom means limitation. It means being being cut off from some of the things that were open to you before. And I want to see a people in our church that we're not limited, that there is a fullness for every person that is in this church, that we have the fullness that is available to us. Now, this is, um, this is a model of what they think that this area would have looked like. And as I was looking at this picture and just seeing how it looked and they would be kind of alongside these, um, these walls, it really reminded me of a prison. And I was thinking about how this guy obviously had this condition and he was obviously um, looking for some way out of it. And he heard about this pool at Bethesda and this miracle that could happen. And so he ends up going there in hope. Maybe I could go there and my life doesn't have to be like this forever. Maybe it could change. Maybe my situation could transform. And so he goes there. We don't know what year he went there, but he'd been an invalid for 38 years. So I'm guessing he was there for quite a long amount of time. And at first he's there out of hope. But then as the years go by, And on and on, he's still there remaining. And what was there as a place of hope then became a prison. The pool had become a prison. Like the walls around. Because what if he leaves 
and the waters stir and he's not there to get the healing that he'd been waiting for. How could he go anywhere else? This was the only chance that he had. So there was something about this confinement and this, and this space that locked him in that meant that if he left, maybe he would miss out on the freedom that was waiting for him. But that meant that he was in this confinement, in this limitation. So John 5, verses 6 to 9. Jesus enters the story and everything changes. It says, when Jesus saw him lying there and he learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time. That word learned, it can also be translated knew, that he knew. It's almost what, what the scripture is trying to tell us is that there is a supernatural understanding of the situation. Not that just Jesus is, oh, just tell me about this guy over here. It's, it's more so that Jesus understood what he had been through. I think this is the reason that he showed up that day to Bethesda. Okay? And as I was reading this and thinking about how Jesus knew, I was thinking about the people sat in this room today and about some of the confinement the restriction, the bondage that you've walked through, some of the dark times that you've been in, and thinking, Jesus knows. He knows the desperate times. He's known the brokenness. He's known the cries of your heart. He's known what you've been through. I can't know. We can't as humans know, but Jesus knows. Just in this scripture, he knew the condition he'd been in. He knows your condition. He knows the heart. He knows everything that has bound you, that has held you captive. And he comes to you today to bring freedom, to bring change, to bring transformation. He comes to you today to want to come and change the situation. And he asked him, do you want to get well? That is a curious question, isn't it? To a man that's been unwell for a long time. But Jesus is wanting to provoke something within him. He's trying to stoke something in him. This is an intentional question. Jesus, and we'll come to this in a moment, but Jesus is, is doing this on purpose, saying, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. He'd see the water stir and there'd be this rush to go and get the miracle. But this guy in our story isn't fast enough, and he's beaten to it, and he doesn't get the miracle that he's been looking for. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And I love the exclamation that Scripture gives us here, because there's an authority with which Jesus speaks. And I think sometimes, because of some, some of our understanding, I think, of religious ways, is that we think Jesus is kind of there just, you know, stroking the guy. And it's like, come on, get up. Just give it a go. And Jesus is like there saying, get up. It's over. It's finished. You're, this is a new beginning for you. I'm speaking in authority. And that's how Jesus wants to speak to us today. He says, get up. Rise up. Move away from the situation that you've been in. There's fresh hope for you. There's a fresh opportunity. God is speaking life into your darkness today. He wants to come and say, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked at once. It happened immediately. This guy had been going through this for years and years and it ended in a moment. 
there are some people here sat today where you've been going through something, something that's stolen life from you for years and years. And Jesus could end it in a moment. He can come in and bring transformation into your situation. He can come and bring the healing that you've been looking for. He can break the chains that have bound you in a moment. And I pray, even as we share this word today, let God stoke the faith within you to believe it. Believe. Trust him. He can do it. In a moment, this man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Can you imagine how this guy felt? What a moment. It must have been electrifying to feel the movement in your legs after not being able to walk all this time. An incredible, miraculous moment. One that he would never forget. Later, so this is in verse 14. It says, later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you're well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. This is, again, different from sometimes the Jesus I think we understand in religious ways. Is that Jesus comes and finds him. He's like, I've got some parting words for you. Stop sinning or something worse going to happen to you. So I want to dig into some of these scriptures and just learn from them some things that I believe can relate to your life. And that's one of the things we, we love to do in this church is that we don't want to just give you information. We want to give you something that's relevant to your life. It's going to help you later today, tomorrow, okay? So Jesus says, do you want to get well? Living in freedom is actually tied to our will. So Jesus is trying to provoke in him do you actually want this? And this is, kind of, this is kind of bizarre because we might think, well, actually, no, it's just on Jesus and what he wants to do. Actually, it's often about what we want as well. And the two have to be paired up together. Do you want to get well? Do you want to be free? I've been a pastor for a number of years now, and I have met with many people trying to break free of things in their lives. And sometimes I'll sit down with a guy and we'll have a one-on-one and I can sit and we can talk about, yeah, I'm struggling with this and yeah, it's been really hard and it's, I'm frustrated. And I can see in his eyes, he's not ready. He doesn't actually fully want to be free. And I say to him, come back to me when you're ready to kill this thing. When there's a fire in you to say, I'm, I'm done with this. I want it to be over then we can work together. Then we can pray and we can believe and we can stand for freedom. But until that point, there's not much purpose in getting together because you've got to want it. Your will actually does relate to your freedom. Do you desire to be free? And that's one of the things that God is saying to each one of us today. You might be coming think, and you're already thinking of bondage or chains that are in your life. Do you want to be free from them? Because sometimes we can become so familiar with them that they become a part of us. The way that I think about this often is that if we've got chains and we're, we're kind of, we're bound up in whatever things have come into our life, Jesus broke the chain. And it's like the chain around our wrist has been broken, but it's still in our hand. And it's like we're still holding on to it. You've got to let it go. And I think that's why so many Christians are still in bondage and not living in the freedom that they were set free for, is because Jesus broke the chain on the cross. The cross did it all. The power in that moment to break every sin and every bondage that there ever was. But we have to then let go and walk away from it. 
and walk away from those chains? Do you want to get well? That's what Jesus is saying to us today. Now, we don't have a name for this gentleman. We've just got the invalid. That actually our captivity can attach itself to our identity. That we become a part of what's enslaved us and and chained us up. That actually that starts to become a defining part of our personality. Sometimes we can even introduce ourselves with that in mind, that actually that's a part of who I am. We need to be so aware that our captivity, it can start to define who we are. We need to be living in freedom and not let it actually come and attach itself in that way. Rather than saying, I have this thing in my life. Maybe it's I'm overcoming this thing in my life. So rather than it being a part of who you are, it's actually a part of something you're overcoming. It's a different mentality. It's a shift. And I believe that that's how we stop it from becoming, attaching itself to our identity. I have no one to help me. So with captivity comes isolation. There is a loneliness here in this moment, isn't there? And I was thinking about, again, as I was preparing, I was thinking about all the people that have come in through our doors over these last few weeks. And it's been amazing at what God has been doing in this place. But I was thinking around some of the stories, some of the people that I've got to speak to, and that there has been isolation. Captivity, when we're imprisoned, there is something around that we're, we're, we're separated. And I think of people that I've kind of ministered to, say, for example, with lust, and they say, well, I'm really struggling with this thing. One of the things that's held them back from sharing is shame. And, and that, that actually is a lonely thing, because then they're by themselves in it. And captivity, that loss of freedom they've experienced, then they get isolated. And he's saying, look, I want to get into the waters. I want to be well, but I've got no one here for me. It's a sad situation. And I think about some people over the last few years who, whatever you've been through in your life, there's been loneliness. And God wants to come and speak into that today, saying, you don't have to do this alone. You don't have to be alone anymore. There is a community and a family, your people here today that will get around you and do life with you. This is not how it is intended to be. And then just one more thing on what he says here. To walk in freedom, you need others. And we've got some um, famous programs, haven't we, that that help people get free, like the 12-step program, that break addiction. And that's almost an extreme example of what I'm talking about today. And there'll be people here that can relate to that. But there's also those that are maybe not at the extremity of that scale. But you know what bondage is and you know what being captive is by something in your life. You need others. The principle remains the same. The reason that those programs are so effective all around the world is they gather people together to share the burden. And it's the same for you, whatever, whatever you're dealing with. It might not be an addictive thing that is ruining your life that some of those programs help with. But it's the same principle. You need to do it with others. That's why God put us in community and in church where we can do life together and encourage and speak hope and life because we need one another. To walk in freedom, we need others. Are we looking to Jesus for our freedom? That's the question I want to ask today. Are we looking to Jesus for our freedom? Because I think of this story and there's this moment in the story 
where Jesus is saying, do you want to be well? Like he's got a solution, yeah? And the man, he's got Jesus, the savior of the world, the Messiah, the one who's healed, the one that's broken every disease, every sickness. He's brought uh, healing to blind eyes. He's brought death. Uh, he's brought the dead to life. He's done so much. He's made. He stood right there in front of him saying, do you want to be well? And the guy looks past him and says, well, no one's here to help me into the pool. And it's like, he's missing the point, right? It's like he's right there, but he's looking past to the other solution. Sometimes Jesus is going to answer your prayer in a different way than you expected. Because you thought it was the pool, but it was actually Jesus himself right before you. And so are we looking to Jesus for our freedom? One of the things that frustrates me sometimes as a pastor is we look to all these ways of the world for our healing and for our freedom, but we forget to come to Jesus. If you're struggling with an ailment or an illness or something in your life, is your disposition to say, let's pray about it and let's ask Jesus first. And there's nothing against going to a doctor, taking medicine, seeking a therapist, but your first port of call should always be Jesus Christ, to pray to him, to come to him. He's right there. Don't look past him and say, I want to go to the pool. I want to go to the, the world's way. Come to Jesus first. He's the answer in everything that you are looking for. And yes, part of those things may be the answer through those worldly things too. And he can heal and he can bring change through those things. But first of all, let's go to Jesus. If you're someone that that's, oh, I've actually ticked off every single thing. And now I'm so desperate, I actually might pray about it. Is we're getting something wrong, right? We have to come to Jesus first. And that's one of the things that God has wanted to challenge us in today, church. Come to him to our freedom. Come to him first and foremost. He's the one that is the answer to everything. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. The feeling of freedom is like nothing else. If you've been bound up in something, if you've been ensnared or caught up in something in your life where it's taken away some of your freedom, you'll be able to relate to this. When you step into that freedom, it is amazing. It is an incredible thing. It is so good. It's like being given new life. It's so fresh. And that's what Jesus wants for every person within our community today. He wants to give you that feeling of freedom. He wants you to experience being free. It's so good. Can you imagine how this guy felt after all those years? He'd had to get help to do everything he needed to do or crawling around on his arms. And then all of a sudden, he's up walking around again. He's able to work again. He's able to go and help others instead of just being helped. How transformative that must have been. That's what it's like when Jesus comes into your life and brings freedom and sets you free of the things that are bound you. That's what he wants to do for every person here today. That's what we're urging you, every person, to walk into. Don't walk out of those doors with the chains that you walked in with. But Jesus has more freedom for you than you can ask or imagine. And it's transformative. It's the best. It's incredible. So one of the things that Jesus says to him, he says, pick up your mat and walk. When you're free, you've got to walk into the new. That Jesus was saying, take your mat because you're not coming back here. It's over. It's finished. This place 
it's not for you anymore. There's a new place for you. There's a new place for you to be, to go to. So you've got to leave behind the old. Pick up your mat and walk. This is over. And it's the same for us here today, that as we start to walk into that freedom, we have to then step into the new thing that God has for us. I've been a pastor for um, over 10 years now, and I have seen more people come to know Jesus over the last three weeks than I have in the last 10 years. It has been absolutely incredible what God has been doing here, and it's thank you to Jesus, and I'm so thankful to see that. But you know what? You've got to pick up your mat and walk. That means you can't stay the same as where you were before, but you've got to walk into the new. There's no good just receiving new life and then going back to where you were. Some of us might need to go and uh, move into a new place. Sometimes if you, for example, if we're, um, if we're in a situation that is a place of discouragement or a place of difficulty or a place that's causing sin, then we have to say, okay, I've received this new life. And now I'm going to step into new. I'm going to move out. I'm going to find a new situation. Maybe it's a new job that you need to step into. But when you're free, you've got to walk into the new. You can't stay where you are. And then Jesus comes back to him with his parting words and says, look, this is really important. Stop sinning. We talked about in um, the first week, we talked about there is more grace. But sometimes we miss this truth as well is that Jesus is about repentance. He's not just about saying, hey, just carry on you are. My grace will keep covering you. He's saying, now, because of what you've experienced, embrace this new life. And so gaining freedom must lead to a new way of living. When Christianity was first coming about, we weren't called Christians. We were called followers of the way. That was, that was what you were called before being a Christian. It was a follower of the way, the New Testament church. And because the way was a different way of living, it was opposite to the world. And they got this reputation, oh, you're living the Jesus way. There's the world's way, but there's this contrast to the way that we Christians live. And so we've got to live in new ways. Maybe you have made a decision to follow Jesus in these last weeks. And it's like, you're living with your partner, but you're not married. And it's like, right, I need to stop sinning and live in a new way. It's going to be difficult because where am I going to live and what, what are we going to do? And you might need some time to figure that out. But step into the new life that Jesus has for you. Pick up your mat and leave. Stop sinning. Don't stay where you are now you've got this new life. Walk into the freedom that Jesus has for you. So I want every person here to be able to walk in a life of freedom. That's my heart as a pastor. Not to go out in bondage. And there's just, to summarize, there's just these three points I just want to remind us and go over us with. We've got to have faith that Jesus can do it. The cross paid for every sin and it broke every chain. The death of Jesus for every person here, no matter what you've been struggling with, it's enough. Jesus has done it and he can do it for you today. He's broken every chain. He's broken the bondage. You can come today and find freedom in him, but you've got to believe it.
that's where it starts. You've got to believe in him and his power and the power of the cross. Then second of all, willingness. We talked about this, but there is something about knowing. Am I willing to step into this freedom? To leave behind the chains that actually, they've become so familiar. They've become a part of me. We're actually going to get a chance at the end of our service today where we're going to offer some prayer. We're going to have two teams here of people just praying. If you want to come and just confess something or bring something before Jesus, we're going to get a chance to pray for you. But again, it all starts with that willingness. I want this to be over today. I'm giving it to Jesus. I believe in him that he can do it. And then lastly, others. That you can't do it alone. You weren't designed for that. That actually you need prayer. You need support. You need encouragement. You might do well for a few weeks, right? I've heard a great message. And now I'm going to start walking in that freedom. You need others around you. Accountability. Support. Speaking life when it gets tough. And that's what the church is for. So you've got to lean in in this season. Come and get community. Be a part of it. Church, there is more freedom for every single person here today. More freedom than you've known, more than you've experienced. There is more freedom. And I was thinking about this story and thinking about how this guy had been there for 38 years. It's just extraordinary. Hard for us to really fully imagine or relate to or connect to that kind of difficulty and living with that bondage for that long. And there are many stories of miracles that happen in the New Testament where someone blind calls out to Jesus, hey Jesus, I need you, come and heal me. There are stories where people are coming and finding him, they're seeking him out and they're asking for healing, Jesus will you heal me? But that doesn't happen in this story. Jesus seeks him out. He finds him. When we looked at that picture earlier of the pool, it's outside of the city. Jesus had gone there intentionally, I believe, to find this man and to say, I know, I'm seeking you out. And in this place, Bethesda, there's all these other disabled people, all those others that are in need. And as far as we know, Jesus doesn't heal them too. He's come for this one man, like the shepherd that comes for the lost sheep. It was his appointed time. He'd heard his cry. And as we finish out today, I want to say to every person here that Jesus stands before you saying, do you want to get well? I'm here for you. I've sought you out today and I've come to bring freedom like you've never experienced. I've come to transform your life. I've come to answer the cries of your heart. He wants to do that today. There is more freedom for you, church, than you know. He wants to come into your life and he seeks you out. He comes at your door. He says, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? I've come to bring you freedom. I've come to see you experience my fullness. So church, we're going to finish in a moment. Before we do that, we're going to sing together. We're going to come and take communion during the song too. And I'm going to come and just lead us through that in a moment. But before we go on, can I just ask every eye to be closed as I pray for us? Lord, I thank you 
that your great love for us, Lord, means that you don't want us to stay in bondage, that you want us to be free. And Lord, I know, God, that there have been people coming through these doors over the last few weeks. And Lord, they've been finding salvation. And Lord, I know, God, that you want to do that again today. So I want to pray for anyone here that you've not put your faith in Jesus before. You've not experienced this salvation. And you want to know today the fullness of life in Jesus. He can save you forever today so that you know your name is written in the book of life. That When you go through from this life to the next, that you know you're going to heaven. But more than that, that you can walk in friendship with Jesus every day. If that's you and you want to know the salvation of Jesus today, it says in Scripture that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. I want you to say this prayer after me. Where you are, you can just say it in your heart and your spirit. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and I invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to give into our church, you can do so by visiting freedomchurchrally.com and head over to the give section. Have a great week.